Welcome to your Friday Strip Sports Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have everybody back with me today. Lots of twins talk coming up here in just a little bit. I'll be joined by Chip Scoggins, who pretty much five years ago to the week, almost to the day, uh, wrote a column about the twins and their total system failure season of 2016. Not to be confused with what is emerging as maybe not the quite the extreme, uh, but a, a, a failure of many ways so far this season for the 11 and 19 Twins. I had a chance to see that in person on Thursday for the first time this year. First live sporting event of any kind for me in quite a while. Um, got to go into the office, got some lovely fan uh, fan mail, uh, had a few letters that I hadn't seen. Uh, one from a, a seven-page handwritten letter uh, some from somebody about Ricky Rubio's free throws and something I'd written a while ago that I hadn't seen. So it was a treat to, uh, to catch up with all that and to catch up with Chip Scoggins. Also on the show, Ben Perlman, the fan who brought the Fire Rocco sign onto you know, into the Champions Club, into the, the, the high-level seats the other day. Um, he, uh, he will be with us as well to explain why he did that, his particular beef with Rocco Baldelli, the Twins manager, and things of that nature. But first, what did I miss? The Aaron Rodgers story is still... Um, not going away, and it feels like it's not going to go away for a long time, and I'll explain that here. So Aaron Rodgers, obviously, you know, it's been a little over, what, a week? A little over a week since uh, since he uh, kind of blew things up right before, the, uh, right before the NFL draft. The story coming out from Adam Schefter that he's not happy in Green Bay, disgruntled enough that he does not want to come back there. And you're thinking, okay, is this really something that's going to happen? It's going to kind of get smoothed over? Well, you know, now this week we're seeing a lot of different things. We see Peter King, uh, a reporter who I respect, who's been doing this for a long time, saying more likely than not, if he was betting on it, that Aaron Rodgers won't be the quarterback in Green Bay in week one this season. So that surprised me. Um, you have some, you know, I don't know if leaking is the right word, but word gets out that uh, that Aaron Rodgers refers to uh, Packers GM Brian Gutekunst as uh, as Jerry Krause in group texts with players. And where does that come from? Uh, I don't know if Rodgers would be leaking that. That seems like that's something that's coming from a player, a teammate, uh, who is on that group text chain. So interesting that some teammates uh, perhaps are getting into the mix here and and, and adding, to, uh, adding to the reporting. Uh, in this. But the, the most interesting thing, I think, um, there's a couple things I saw on ESPN. One, Bill Barnwell writing, you know, about the seven teams he think are, are most likely to uh, to be considered in an Aaron Rodgers trade. Um, you don't you do not do that if it's not at least somewhat likely. Um, but the bigger thing is just a note about when this might happen. The ti- timing is everything, right? Draft night was, was one place where you, you didn't expect it necessarily to happen there because that would be a, a rash decision. The Packers aren't just going to jump into this, um, you know, hours after it, it uh, you know, the, the Schefter report comes out. But, you know, interestingly, there's a salary cap implication in all this. Um, basically, ESPN explaining this in a story that came out a couple days ago that they would save about $16 million dollars if they trade him after June 1st because of cap designations and whatnot. If they, if they don't, they're actually going to actually owe more on the cap this year because of the way his contract is structured. So that means to me that we've got at least a few more weeks of these stories flying back and forth about Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, whether it's 
management trying to push its agenda out there, whether it's Aaron Rodgers putting more information out there about how you know frustrated he is, whether it's teammates, you know, going on the record, former teammates, you're just seeing everybody having an opinion on this right now, and it's not going to stop because it, it doesn't make sense for there to be a trade for at least a few more weeks if it's going to happen. So I'm looking forward to it. Just sit back, grab your popcorn, whatever you need to do, crack open a cold beverage, and just watch this all unfold because it's rather glorious. If you, if you, Especially if you root for the Vikings, this is one of the most amazing stories of your lifetime. A quarterback who is the reigning MVP who has continued this run of great quarterback play in Green Bay. And again, we don't know how great Jordan Love is going to be. He could end up being you know, the next in this chain from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and now to Jordan Love, but no guarantees of that. Uh, much better, much better chance that he's average or worse, you know, based on the history of first round quarterbacks. So sit back, watch this all unfold, and then, you know, keep in the back of your mind that, you know, two or three years from now, a certain disgruntled former Packers quarterback at that point uh, might be incentivized, just like Brett Favre, to want to go and play and finish his career for the Vikings. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to have Chip Scoggins on Daily Delivery right now. Chip does a great job covering a variety of subjects uh, in his columns at the Star Tribune. But almost exactly five years ago, five years ago this week anyway, Chip, um, you called up Jim Polad, Twins owner. The Twins were, I believe, 8-20 and 20 at the time. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, you wrote this, you, you got the quote, the total system failure quote that has been oft <laughs> repeated um that year's team went on to lose 103 games i don't feel like this year's team is in that territory yet but man 11 and 19 i was at the game thursday um just another extra inning lost their 0 and 7 and extra innings so let, let's chip by way of introduction first let's start with 2016 and kind of like how how that whole how that whole thing got going and, and just the idea for that column and, and when he said that to you what was going through your head yeah, it was, it was, uh, like you said, they were eight and 20 and it was just, I think it was after they had an off day or they did have an off day. Yep. Had an off day. And so I, you know, I went through the the twins and just said, it, it, as you can imagine the the temperature was hot in the twin cities. Right. Um, there was, uh, I think fans wanted everybody fired. Um, and things were just so bad. They were playing so horribly that I just told the twins, I said, Hey, you know, I think, this is a time where the owner needs to come out and say something, you know, at least let fans hear his voice. And so, uh, yeah, Jim Paulette said, yeah, call me. And, um, I remember I was, uh, driving home or when he called me back and, uh, so, you know, I had my tape recorder on the dashboard, uh, on the Bluetooth. And when he, when he said the total system failure, I was like, Whoa, it just, you know, (laughs) almost like car careened off the, the, the side of the road there. And, and I went back and read the column there day, Mikey, and he had some just, you know, pretty, not pretty, very strong uh, comments and opinions. You know, I asked him about um, 
you know, the status of, of Terry Ryan and, and Paul Molitor at the time, he's like, nope, it's not their fault. He basically just put it all in the players. I asked, well, as the owner, you know, what, what can you do? And he said, well, it's not much an owner can do. It's just a total system failure here. Um, and we talked about the money and he said, yeah, I know that's been a, you know, that's been a topic for 30 years. Uh, and he said, I think I know a little bit about finances and, and, um, those types of things. And, um, the one quote, I, I don't have the in front of me, but, um, he would say, asked him about his payroll. And he said, well, if you look at the results, I, I think we're spending too much on payroll or something to the extent. <laughs> I'm just, Whoa. So he definitely had stuff he wanted to get off his chest, but it was, uh, I'm not sure it was well received by the fan base or, um, you know, I mean, it, the, the total system failure just became, as I wrote in my column the other day, it became both a punchline and a headline for that entire season. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, there was some, so many losing seasons in that, in the early part of that decade, but then 2015, there was actually, you know, some hope. They, I think they won 83 games that year. They were in the wild card hunt kind of until the last weekend, at least. So people had expectations going into that year and, you know, this year is different, right? They, they've yeah. won two, two division titles in a row. And this team isn't as bad as that 2016 team, but results wise, they they're, they're flawed. The, the, I think, I think we've seen enough to say they've got a lot of flaws and whatever's going on in the field right now, 11 and 19 with, you know, oh, and seven in extra innings, you know, all these late close gut punch losses, like, I guess, how do you compare, do you, do you even compare those two situations or, and how do you assess what's going on right now? I don't, because I just feel like this team is better than that team. Um, you know, the record, it just felt like the way 16 was going was hopeless. Now there might be twins fans that feel bad about this team too. Um, but that one just felt a lot more, almost like slapstick comedy, how bad, yeah. it, you know, whereas this one, I think there's just anger with fan base, uh, with fans and, and how it's, you know, I, I will say I, and I wrote this for today. I think that the bullpen is total system failure. Yeah. Um, I, I think this team, you know, just is going to hit more. I think their starting pitcher is going to starting rotation is going to be better. The bullpen is a disaster right now. Um, so I, I think I would compare that, but I will say like watching this team, I was at the game, last night mike and i've watched you know predominantly all their games with the exception of buxton this is a boring team right now yeah there's just nothing to it i mean there's just no life there's no it's just you watch the games and they just drag on and a lot of strikeouts and i mean obviously buxton's playing out of this world um but other than that it's just something's just off with this team right now yeah, I'd say that. I was at the game recording this Thursday afternoon, not too long after another loss. Now they head to Detroit after this, probably just as well to get out of town for a while. They've lost three in a row to uh, to, to Texas here after it seemed like maybe they had kind of figured something out or you know gotten the gotten things somewhat sorted out here uh, at the start of this homestand. But yeah, the the bullpen it again is two 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 pieces of this, and I want to get your thoughts because I've shared this a few times already, but. The bullpen, again, happens today. Pineda goes six innings. Robles comes into the seventh, gives up a home run. That's so all of a sudden tie game. And they haven't won a game this year where they've been tied or behind after seven innings. You get to the ninth inning. They, they don't get anything done. You know, Taylor Rogers is lights out. He's great. But you get to the 10th. You got 
you know, the start, you know, the runner on second, you know, it was a wild pitch and then a single, I think through a drawn in infield. And all of a sudden it's four, three. And it seems like the twins at that point are expecting to lose. You know, they go into the top, the bottom of the 10th. Ostadio, who never strikes out, strikes out. Donaldson pinch hit. He strikes out. So no, almost gets a flare to fall in, but a diving catch ends the game. So everything that can go wrong does go wrong. But the bullpen isn't just underachieving. Like Alexander Colomay has pitched way worse than you think he would. But if you went into the season thinking we're not going to use our starters as much because we're worried about workload after the weird 2020 season, you needed a better bullpen plan where one pitcher really struggling doesn't take the whole house of cards down. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, I think it's a two pronged thing is it's like every starter goes five and a third innings. And so you're, you're relying on your bullpen to be even better. And when they remade that bullpen, they had so many unknowns and so many guys that were looking for bounce back seasons or prove it seasons or just show that you belong and you can be trusted in um, high leverage Alcala, you know, I mean, Stashak, prove that you can take a next step. And it's just like, you're banking on, too many of those to come through and they're not all going to come. It's not all going to come to fruition. So you had big question marks with a bullpen that you plan to use a lot. Well, what do we think was going to happen? And then all of a sudden now column a is unusable in high leverage situations because he's, I guess he's, you know, he was better last two outings. He was okay last night, although I think it was a hit and two walks and two innings. But um, so, yeah, it was, I don't know that they really, put enough thought into that plan that they were going to um, use this year. But it, it goes back to, and this is how baseball is now, but they just, I mean, it's like, honestly, Mike, it's, if they get to the sixth inning with their starters, like, well, job's done. You know, it's like, can they go any deeper than this? You know, can they get to the eighth inning where you don't have to use four relievers every game? Well, that's the problem because they, they, they want to protect these guys. So Pineda comes out after 87 pitches, six innings today. Like there's fans screaming, like there literally was a fan you could hear because, you know, there's like 8,000, 9,000 fans there. But you, you can hear pretty clearly one fan just yelling, Rocco, can a guy throw 100 pitches? Like Pineda, you know, is a veteran. He probably could have yeah. pitched, you know, the seventh inning as well. And then you've, you've gotten that bridge to where you're probably just using Rodgers and Duffy. And maybe you win that game because, you know, the, uh, Robles gives up the home run and that, that ties the game in the seventh. So if that was the plan all along, if 80 to 90 pitches from your starters was the plan all along, the way that works these days, that's not going to get you much more than five and a third, six, if you're lucky. And then you're right. You do have to rely so much on that bullpen. So to you, how, how much of it is players underachieving? How much is Rocco not moving the chess pieces around in the right way? And how much of it is the way this roster was put together by Derek Falvey and Thad Levine? Yeah, I wrote about this today because I wrote about the bullpen for my column today that ran in Thursday's um, paper. And, you know, we all want to blame Rocco or blame Falvey or blame the players or whatever. To me, I I was uh, I, I was judicious. I gave everybody a third. So I think it's the third on the, on the front office for the way they constructed this bullpen and just turning it over to the degree that they did. Um, you know, it's hard to call him a, I don't think anybody can predict he's going to have this, you know, these kind of struggles, but um, like I said earlier, I just think you had too many question marks. I put a third on Rocco. Um, you know, using Waddell the other night was inexcusable to me. I mean, that, that had no chance of succeeding. Um, and, and his insistence. And this, Mike, this goes back to 
the last playoff game last year where Jose Brios is rolling. He looks like he has a bulldog mentality about him. He wants to keep going in that in that playoff game against Houston, and Rocco pulls him out. Why? <laughs> that we've been waiting and screaming for years for Barrios to step up and be that guy in that moment. And he was, and they pulled him out. So it goes back to that year. So I, you know, I think Rocco deserves a third of the blame for just how he manages it. And then also the players, I mean, they just have to perform better. I mean, uh, we've seen Taylor Rogers struggle at times. We give up home runs. We've seen Duffy at times, not be as sharp. Colome is a veteran. He's, you know, whatever is going on with him. So I, the, the players can't be absolved to blame either. So I'm giving them all a third. I think that's fair actually. And that, that, that does, I mean, it's, 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 it's too easy. It's like, there's probably, you know, if we're going to, if you're really going to parse it out, it's, it's probably a little bit more there, a little bit there, but you're right. It's everybody shares in the blame of how this bullpen has gone this season. So I guess the final thought here is what, what can change here when you're 11 and 19, you, and I've, I've talked about this the other day and wrote about this the other day. Like you, even if you think you're better, you got you've given up so much ground that you have to play so much better just to be, you know, you got a long way to go just to be 500 at this point. Like you'd have to go sure, 19 yeah. and 11 in your next 30 just to get back to 500 at this point. Like, how, what's the path to that? How how does this team show you that you know 11 and 19, even if you know the run differential is is better than that? How does it? How does this team show you that they're better than better than that and have a path forward? Well. You know, they have to, and, and I thought Rocco the other night came as close as he came to criticizing his players where he's like, when we're ahead in the eighth inning by a run or two runs or three runs, you have to win those games. You have to. And they've had so many of these meltdowns that the, the bullpen has just cost them. And that's not to excuse the, the hitting. I mean, like the hitting last night, they had bases loaded, to get no runs. I mean, they haven't had clutch hitting. Um, but, I, you know, they've got to get their bullpen squared away. But And I was talking to Patrick Royce about this. Mike, look at St. Paul. Who's coming? Where are the reinforcements coming from? Yeah, they're not. They're not taking the 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 train from St. Paul over because there's. I just don't see anybody there that's going to come in and save the day. And so, can you trade? You know, once once Kirilov is healthy and comes back, can you look to trade Sano and try to get a reliever? But I don't know what's his value at this point to other teams. Yeah, I mean, he's almost 28. He's he was he looked he, he looked clueless again today. He struck out three times in Thursday's game. I mean. And we didn't even get to the fact that Buxton got pulled from this game because he was coming. He came up limp, um, limping in the ninth inning. Cave came in and played the tenth. So you've got the Kirilov injury already. He was something you got excited about. If if well, we don't know what's coming. I would be wild to speculate against about Buxton at this point. But he did come out of Thursday's game. He's got injury history. Like you take him out of the lineup, like that's oh, uh, for a yeah, team that's enough. already struggling. Yeah, well, that's they cannot afford. You know, and that's the thing. It's like because the bullpen is so bad and, and things are just so terrible that this start by Buxton is just kind of, I mean, people are paying attention to it, but it's not getting celebrated in the way it should because of just the daily gut punch that they get, <laughs> that they suffer with these losses. But yeah, if he's hurt, if this is anything that's going to keep him out for a while, yeah, go wild. Someone's got to build a bridge to Vikings training, but, camp, but- man, but Back back in twenty sixteen, right. back in twenty sixteen, they started eight and twenty. Their next twenty eight games were eight and twenty. Also, because I followed up your, <laughs> I followed up your, oh your, gosh, your total well, failure start. So they that didn't get any better. I I don't think this team's gonna <laughs> be that bad and win fifty nine games. Either. But but Mike, to the last thing to the point with the bullpen though, 
it's got to come from within. Like Colomay's got to be better. And I think Rocco, they're going to have to say, Rocco, we're going to have to get more out of our starters. You're putting too much stress on guys to perform in, in roles that they're not ready for. And so you were asking basically four innings every day out of your bullpen, and they're just not able to do it. And so they're going to have to have a fundamental shift where you say, guess what, Barrios, you're going to throw 100 pitches. And I'm not saying, you know, overwork them to, you know, to where you, uh, they, they run out of gas, but I think these starters can give you more than what he's willing to take from them at this point. Yeah, even if you could get one more inning, because what happens when you get to the 10th is you've probably used – all of your trusted arms just to get to the 10th. And then you don't really have much left there. I mean, sometimes it's been calling me that's, let's let him down, but sometimes it's, it's not there. It's not their frontline guys, or if they are, they're tired by the time they get to the 10th. And that's Owen seven in, uh, you know, in extra inning games in the first 30. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, and maybe the, you know, maybe Rocco needs to look at his philosophy in extra innings too. I don't know and how he approaches it, but um, Owen seven, that's, that's hard to achieve. You have to work hard. hard. <laughs> Total extra inning failure. Well, <laughs> Chip, <laughs> Chip, good, Chip, good stuff. Chip Scoggins, thanks for joining Daily Delivery today. Really appreciate you hopping on. And uh, maybe the next time we talk, there'll be better, happier things to uh, to discuss. All right. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Joined right now on Daily Delivery by Ben Perlman. Uh, this is a first. We don't usually have uh, fans running around at Target Field waving signs on the show, but uh, Ben uh, got, gained a little bit of notoriety at Wednesday night's Twins game. He had the Fire Rocco sign uh, behind home plate that got picked up by uh, Bally Sports North cameras and, and uh, saw seen throughout the ballpark. Uh, ben, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. So uh, I got to ask right off the bat, what motivated you to bring that sign to the game and, uh, you know, run into the run of the champions club as it were, and, and, and show it off. Uh, a friend of mine, we were looking for tickets for, for the game, uh, Wednesday night. Yeah. We just, you know, we found some good, good tickets in champions club and decided, you know, we, we both passionately, uh, do not like the way that Rocco manages ball games. Uh, so we figured we'd try to send a message, uh, to the organization as well as the fans and see, uh, I didn't expect this kind of a result, but, uh, you know, I'm happy that people are kind of jumping on the bandwagon. What, there was something on the other side of the sign, right? Was it a circle me sign on the other half? Yeah, it said circle me, Justin. Okay. Um, I just figured, you know, maybe I know that Justin's right behind us in the champions club there. And so maybe he'd see that sign and it was kind of also another way for when we went through security that they wouldn't, you know, not like the sign and say, we're going to take that away from you. Um, so we actually put it in between two signs. It was one that said, go twins. And the other side said, circle me, Justin. Clever. It's clever. You got, you got to, you know, if, if you're trying to, uh, trying to send a message, I guess you've got to, uh, to, 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 to play it, uh, to play, you play all your cards, make sure you've got to, got your, got your signs all, uh, all lined up. Now you did it once and then you got, you know, the usher came and took you away. Was that because they didn't like what the sign said or because you were, because you were blocking views, basically? Uh, I think it was because blocking views. Um, I mean, the usher just told me, you know, you need to go back to your seat. He didn't say anything about the sign. Um, you know, I, I don't think that there was actually any issue with the sign at all because, you know, they just sent me back to the seat uh, and they let me keep the sign. Uh, and I, and I definitely wasn't done spreading my message. I wanted to make sure it got out enough. How many times did you end up showing, showing the fire Rocco sign? Uh, three different times. I did it in the sixth, 
I think I did it again in the maybe in the seventh and then in the ninth. And that was another disappointing loss, 3-1. They lose again in extra innings. Stop me if you've heard that one before on, on Thursday. But I got I to gotta, I gotta back up a little bit because it, there's been a lot of criticism of Rocco Baldelli, but he is he was the manager of the year a couple of years ago, won 101 games, um, took him, had another division title last year. I mean, this is just a 30-game sample where about as much bad has happened that could happen. So is this really – I don't feel like this is – even mostly Rocco's fault, but I'll, I'll give you the space to, to describe what your, what, what the beef is with Rocco and does it go beyond this season? Sure. Um, well, yeah, I would say that when I started watching Rocco's first appearance with the twins two years ago, where they won that 101 games, um, you know, the first half of that year, I was just like, this is a great manager. Um, I thought, you know, this guy's, this guy's really good. The key, team keeps winning. And then I talked to um, I talked to Dan Gladden and, uh, you know, he said, Ben, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But there's no way to know because they're scoring eight runs a game. And I said, you know, you got a good point. And uh, so I watched the rest of the season with a different attitude, just waiting for when the twins have games that are close, uh, when they stop blowing teams away and scoring 10 runs a game, eight runs here, seven runs there. And, you know, then at the end of the season, when they went to the playoffs, all of a sudden I see these, you know, re- these, these moves that I, I just don't understand. You know, Jake Odorizzi was the best pitcher that year for the team. He had the best ERA and he was doing really well. They decided in Yankee Stadium that year to hold him out, not just the first game, but the second game too. And instead they went with Dobnak in the second game, you know, for analytic purposes, uh, he's a ground ball pitcher and the in Yankee stadium is a short field. However, it, you know, he didn't even make it through two innings before he gave up a grand slam and they were down seven to nothing. And by then, you know, you're down two games to none in a playoff series. It's only a five game series. It's, it's almost impossible to come back from that. It's a that's a valid criticism. I guess I would just say, I think some of the blame, especially this season, you got the players are underperforming. The I don't think the the management has necessarily given them the best tools to work with. But as you showed off that sign, how, how do you how was that sign received? Do you feel like people were on your side? Do you feel like there's a lot of anti Rocco Baldelli sentiment right now among Twins fans? Yeah, you know what? I was actually surprised on how well it was received. I do, I do know that the team, of course, they're struggling. So just for that reason alone, I'm going to have people on my side. Um, however, you know, I think it's it's the majority are on my side. I'm seeing, you know, with with how this got out here or how it got out there. And uh, of course, there's some criticism saying, you know, that, you know, he's been successful for two years and give it time. It's a long season. Um, I, I just don't feel that he's doing anything to help this team win. Do you have any optimism at all at this point? No. Um, so where I'm at with Rocco at this point is as long as he is managing this club, they have a 0% chance of winning a World Series. Well, you might be right. I mean, they, it's, it's not like his, uh, his predecessors necessarily uh, lit, the, uh, lit the playoffs on fire either. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I, I respect the opinion. I respect the takes. I certainly respect, first of all, your, uh, your willingness to, to put the sign out there. And second of all, your willingness to, uh, 
to come on the podcast, share your name, you know, take take it uh, take it all in for what it's worth. That's a it's a little bit uh, not honestly brave, but in the era of uh, internet anonymity, it's uh, it's nice to see someone to put uh, put a name behind a sign. So Ben, I definitely appreciate that. Um, any final any final words of wisdom for uh, for the daily delivery audience? Uh, I would just say pay attention to those bullpen moves, those decisions he makes late in games, and watch how often it fails. Uh, just keep an eye on that. And, I mean, as we saw today, you know, a day after I hold up the sign, we see them pull out Michael Pineda with 87 pitches, six innings in. We know our bullpen struggling, and you watch them go to the bullpen way too early. So just keep an eye on that. If, if, you, if you're still not sure if Rocco's not a good manager, just just keep watching those moves because I don't see anything changing. Ben Perlman, voice of the fan. A lot of the Twins fans frustrated right now, and for good reason, 11 and 19. Ben, thanks so much for joining Daily Delivery, and maybe we'll catch up with you down the road, okay? Thank you, Michael. Enjoyed talking to Ben Perlman. Let me be clear, though. I don't think Rocco, Be- Rocco Belvelli should not be fired right now. That'd be a rash move. The guy has taken them to two AL Central titles in his first two seasons. They're off to a really rough start after 30 games this year. Forces beyond his control in some cases. Um, he deserves the chance to right this ship um, and get this season turned around. So, makes for fun uh, chatter, and I know fans are frustrated, but in no way, shape, or form should Rocco Baldelli's job be in jeopardy after 30 bad games following two uh, really good seasons. Let's end with the cooler. Wild Wolves twins all lost when they played on the same night on Wednesday. They'll get another chance to do it. Same drill tonight, Friday. Twins at Detroit. Timberwolves at Miami. Wild against Anaheim as part of this long home stand. Plenty at stake for each team. Twins trying to snap a three-game losing skid, get to get things going in the right direction. Looked like they were starting to turn for them a few games ago. And then they had that walk-off loss, and again, two losses after that and another extra inning loss yesterday. They can't seem to get any traction. Maybe they can start to turn things around against lowly Detroit. Timberwolves playing Miami. That's Jimmy Butler. That's uh, that's incentive enough. So is you know the, the lottery standings at the end of the season. While still trying to catch uh, Vegas and Colorado. Um, tough uphill climb, but uh, you know, winning a couple games against Anaheim sure would help. We'll be back at this again on Monday. Plenty of good stuff coming up next week. Thinking I'll be talking to uh, one of the newest Vikings rookies. Thinking I'll be talking a little outdoor adventure down the Mississippi River and all sorts of other good stuff, including a Lynx season preview. Thanks for listening all week. I'm Michael Rand. Listen to Daily Delivery. Please download it. Subscribe, write a review. Always, always, always read Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. You can always catch up on all these podcasts over the weekend. If you missed any this week, they're all still relevant. And we'll catch you again on Monday.